This podcast is brought to you by Northern Trust Wealth Management. What is the why that drives today's most successful business leaders? Tune in each month to the Road to Why podcast by the Northern Trust Institute, where host Eric Shapea dives deeper with entrepreneurs on their life's work, legacy, and the greater meaning of it all. Find the Road to Why where you listen to your favorite podcasts. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Barron's Live, our daily webcast and podcast. I'm Ben Levison, Deputy Editor of Barron's. Thanks for joining us today to learn more about investing in the markets. Lauren is taking a much-deserved break, and I'm thrilled to welcome a special guest today, Frank Capillary, founder of Cap Thesis and technical analysis, uh, analysis, <laughs> analyst, gosh, I can't talk this morning, analyst extraordinaire. I'm glad to have him back on Barron's Live today. Hi, Ben. Thanks a lot for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And at some point, I will try to figure out how to talk again. So, Frank... <laughs> In some circles, technical analysis is a bad reputation, as even been described as voodoo magic. As a former trader, though, I found it essential as a tool for identifying trading opportunities and for risk management. What do you think the role of technical analysis should be? I've heard that term before. I've heard other things, the way they describe it as well. But, you know, I am also, you know, went through the, uh, the CMT process, of course, and also the CFA process. And so, I have respect for both practices. And it really, I think it comes down to realizing that sometimes stocks don't act like companies, right? And I think it was really the epitome of that over the course of these last two years, 2022, of course, now in 2023. And if you, you can't make that um, designation, then I think it's, it's trouble because then you hang on to some themes that you shouldn't for so long, even when the market is telling you otherwise, right? And sometimes price action you know, will give you a very different perspective of news as well from a macro perspective. And I think just you know, the most recent example of that is just what we saw in the regional banking crisis when everything fell off a cliff when we didn't know what was going on. And then as things started to, you know, news come, came after over the course of a week or two, things started to separate from themselves, right? Regional banks didn't really rally. That was, they were still down, but started to see large cap banks start to separate themselves for a little bit. And then the rest of the market as well, and before you know it, it's second quarter started and things really started to change. Yeah, and I think that's a great point because, uh, well, well, we'll talk about this rally this year. Um, I know that I was caught flat-footed by it. I really came into this year still very bearish, and I boy, I got it wrong. Um, but now, you know, the S&P is up 28%. Uh, it's uh, from its uh, October lows. Um, it's, I think, just a, a little less than 5% or around 5% away from its all-time high. Is this a bull market? What is the trading action telling you? I think it, it is. If um, you know, the, the S and P and other indices continue to you know, possess the same characteristics that got us to this point, and so you know, within a lot of the commentary that I put out, I'm stressing is four key points why uh, what the S and P has been doing right in general. So bullish patterns have been working, bearish patterns have been failing. There have been a lot fewer big daily moves for the major indices and the number of big moves have outnumbered the number of daily moves like on on the uh, sizable side and so that sounds very basic but you think about it all that did not happen last year right 
anything, you know, we saw bear market rallies, but they were so severe that you didn't even have the chance to set up, you know, bullish patterns or, or foundations or bases, whatever you want to call them. And when they finally did develop, then everything fell apart again. And so, you know, volatility breeds a lot of that type of action where, you know, bulls and bears really get pulled in direction in a very fierce manner. And uptrends were uptrends. They're, they're consistent, you know, uptrending markets with very little variation. And that lends itself to having breakouts being clean, right? So anytime you have a market or a stock breakout and an uptrend sounds very easy to believe, but those breakouts sometimes never come back and get tested. And so mm -hmm. that's what creates the upside targets being hit. And again, completely different story um, than we saw last year. I would even argue up until the beginning of the second quarter was really when it changed for me. And was there a point uh, when you looked at the market and were basically like, "Oh yeah, this this is a new new uptrend. We're out of a bear. We're out of a bear market now." Because um, I know it took me uh, <laughs> up until middle of this year to to, to feel that way. Yeah, well, I would say two things. One, um, you know, always looking for signs of of some change. Of course, you know, we saw the move from the low in October, but what was really lacking is, you know, as we were talking about before we came on the air here. Ben is that the large cap Texas really, you know, we're getting really hurt. And one of the first ones that I was just looking at and saw that was giving the first indication of a bullish formation was Meta. You know, toward the end of the year, even before Apple started to rally and such. And then that obviously <laughs> sounds crazy now, but to think about what's happened since that point, right? That was really the marker. And one of the reasons why is because it was that was one of the first large cap growth names to actually falter back in September 2021. And if you look at a chart there, I remember all through that year, I was lining up the XLC communications ETF um, with the S&P and they were right, you know, basically 100% correlation that started on a ravel. So, you know, that's a, a long-winded way of saying things, but those are some of the things that, that you know, gave a sign. But again, you know, as that started to develop, I still wasn't convinced of it either. And one of the reasons why is that, you know, we had that big rally at the beginning of, of the year. And last time, you know, um, you and I spoke on a Barron's Live was actually the day after the Super Bowl we were talking about. Early February, things started to look good. And I mentioned at the time, it was the first time that, you know, saw the, the biggest amount of bullish patterns are the form since 2021, which... Uh, sounds great now, but it actually was premature to say that because those they actually didn't work out. We had to see now another downturn and things come back from it. Now, over the last few months, those would be um, bullish formations are now even bigger. Right? That's what we've seen recently, and those breakouts have been occurring. And and they're working. Um, I, I do remember your process there. I think, if I'm remembering correctly, has evolved a bit. There was a point during the volatility. Was it after right after COVID or? something along those lines where you were really starting to count patterns and seeing what was working, what wasn't working because it was so easy to get fooled by some of the big patterns that were happening. Yes, that's right. Um, you know, through the years, I think it's, 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 it's very useful to track um, all of the different patterns. You know, again, let's look at the S and P 500 that develop, right? You get a clue from either one. So, you know, when you see consolidation patterns is off to the upside, over and over again, that leads to uptrends. And when it doesn't happen, of course, downtrends. And so right now, you know, as things are starting to turn, sort of beginning stages of, of that happening, some bearish patterns still working. But since, again, 
I'll point it back to you the beginning of April when things really started to change. And, you know, we can talk about the 1% moves as well. Um, that's a big part of it, where last year, S&P had 128 plus or minus 1% moves. That is among the most on annual basis in history. And so and when that happens, typically have the same amount of, of big gains as big losses. And there's at least a very choppy, very volatile environment which you can't trust. Right. And so that kind of extended into the beginning of this year. Um, and it really changed in April. And then you see that um, the, the table that you know, Ben just put on the page here and the, the complete drop off since that point. So it's no surprise that when that occurred, that's when bullish pattern again started the work. It's not, it's a very simple concept, but one we can't ignore because when that starts to change again, that can mean the market's character will change as well. And one of the other things that you've uh, been talking about uh, recently is something that's called AVWAP, uh, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, can you explain what that is and matters? I'm going to try to put up a uh, another slide here. Um, I think sure. I got it. Yes, that's it. So that stands for Anchored VWAP. And I would point to O'Brien Shannon of alphatrends.net as um, someone who has really talked about this. He really recently wrote a book about it, and he does a wonderful job explaining it. Um, I would just look for him as well on, on Twitter. And so, you know, just to take a step back, you know, before uh, starting Cap Thesis, I was on Wall Street for a long time. And for about 16 years, <clears throat> I was an equity sales trader. So I dealt a lot with institutional clients and helped process trades for them and suggest different algorithms to use, so forth and so on. And one of the, the main components of that was always looking at VWAP. So basically it stands for valuated average price. And so when, you know, over the course of a day, if there's a lot of volume associated with one price, if you run an average of that price throughout the day, the, the price that has the most amount of volume next to it is going to get a lot more weight. That's how that's done on an intraday basis. Now, anchored VWAP means that you can expand that a bit and look toward uh, back toward in very important points uh, for a stock or an index. And uh, if an earnings season or like a you know an earnings day release, or maybe you know, the beginning of a year or, you know, back on in the low from October of last year. You can attach it to any one of those and be like, that's where all the volume is. And you can see on the chart there that it, it kind of looks like a moving average, right? Mm -hmm. But if you think about what is support and resistance, it's, it's, the, it's the existence of where, you know, a lot of buyers or sellers were at some point. And so when you go through those lines, you're basically pushing through a major barrier, which had a lot of weight before that. And so recently, losing it for the SPY ETF, it's been helpful. Almost recently, if you look at the, the dark blue line to the right there in June, but the basic premise is that, you know, once um, this spider here you know, got through a VBOP line, that kind of released things, and you have a tendency to see an extension of a move like that. And so I would say, you know, anyone's interested in it, uh, m most of the popular charting software um, available you know, options out there have it. Uh, stockcharts.com has a trading view, TC2000, and areas like that. They all have the ability to track that. Um, so, and what is this? And this is basically telling us that right now there's a lot of volume that's now underneath the market to support it? It could be, yes. Could I, I would say right now, you can't really see it on this chart there, but I think it's an imp I just put a new um, view app anchored to the high from last Thursday. Right. Okay. And so, again, we may be 
going through that already. But when something happens and there's a, a, a good amount of move to the opposite direction, that's when it becomes either support or resistance. So yes, I would use the, the, the one from June as now support. Okay. Um, great. So what's, uh, what's been happening with breath? I know that was something that, uh, um, people were very concerned about um, that there wasn't enough breath out there um, for this market. It was all driven by a few stocks. Has that started to change now? Yes, and that really changed in June. If you think about um, the the um, May was the one the time when you really heard about diversions in, in breath, and that was when large cap tech like led by a wide wide margin, right? And so the you know. The, the bearish take on that was an easy one to understand was that if you look at the majority of the market was down you know we get 80 percent or it was maybe 70 percent of the stocks were down that month right where the s p was higher or just barely it was basically unchanged but everything else was higher and so the basic premise there was that if this was going to be a more substantial up leg we need to see rotation and that's exactly what has happened since that point um in june you know it, it obviously rotated and i would say the better definition maybe is expanded you know, mm -hmm. until you know we had 90 percent month in june in terms of meaning that 90 percent of the stocks were higher industrials took the reins and that was a major part of it you know they very right now industrials have the m most components within the s p 500 and you saw in other areas as well but that was a bigger one too and so you know, I've been calling this recently just a revolving rotation because it's almost been every other day a different area has been leading. And that really is the epitome of, of a strong uptrend for as long as it lasts. And, and you know, there's always going to be times when some areas are, are lagging and, and not. But I think people really get focused on that when it's, you know, the Magnificent Seven, as they're called, leading the way and it can't be sustained. You know, there's different arguments of that, but I think it's just math. And if you mm -hmm. look at you know, equal weighted indices, they've been playing catch up and that's an indication of that. And so we've, we're now moving out of, um, or through earnings season, where over half the stocks in the S&P 500 had reported through Friday. The numbers have been pretty good, 8% of beat. The beats are a little small compared to history, but it seems to be okay with the market. We've had Microsoft, we've had Meta, we've had Alphabet, and we're going to get Apple this week. It's the biggest stock in the S&P 500. Um, has a three trillion market cap. Um, it can really move the market on its own. The profits, the numbers are kind of interesting because they are supposed to report a profit of $1.19 a share on sales of $81.7 billion. And both of those are down from a year ago. Um, and the, yet the stock has gone up 15% this year, um, or sorry, 15% uh, in the last three months and 51% this year. Um, it's also pretty expensive at this point. And I know the market just it wants to see signs that I growth is going to accelerate and that maybe this Vision Pro, the VR goggles are going to do well. But when you look at this chart of Apple, and I'm going to put up a chart here, um, if you give me a moment, um, I'm going to put up the, the chart. If you can tell people what the charts are showing and you know, what are they saying to you about where Apple could go now? This this first chart that we're looking at is one that is a, is that a daily chart we're looking at? <clears throat> That's a daily chart, yes. And this just shows uh, six five is just when it made a new all-time high you know, above the last high from uh, um, 2021. And so a few things stand out here. Number one is just how persistent this uptrend has been. I mean, even for Apple, this is pretty substantial. And, you know, the blue line underneath it is the 50-day moving average. So it hasn't even touched it since going above it in late January. 
right? That's, that's a, again, that's abnormally good. Again, nothing bad with that, but it just says that at some point, this really persistent, really tight trading range or upper sloping channel is probably going to just change, right? It's not going to be like this forever. At the same time, it presents, you know, at least I would call it a cushion for the, you know, the stock to back and fill if it needs to, whether that's after earnings or sometime after that. And I would say, you know, at the very least, you know, it could it could pull back to with that last high, 183 or near the 50-day moving average. It's just, I wouldn't call this the best setup going into earnings just because of, you know, of how substantial the move has been so far. But, you know, Meta's done okay with that, of course. Mm -hmm. and we have to respect the uptrend for as long as it, it's there, but realize that, you know, when I try to look at entry points, it's either a dip within an uptrend or hopefully sometime a consolidation pattern that develops, you know, after an uptrend has, has happened. So don't see that right now with Apple. Yeah, there really hasn't been much of one. Um, though th this is a longer term chart we're looking at here. And you do get these kind of periods, right, where they can uh, consolidate for a while. Yes. <clears throat> so this is going back all the way to the Internet bubble and burst. And so from my angle here, you've had now eight different times when the market or Apple has broken out up to new all time highs after a long period of consolidation. Right. And as you can see with the, the red arrows pinpoint of the five times of the previous seven that a prior breakout point was violated. Right. And so and sometimes it occurred after just a short period of time or either these are monthly bars here. So after a month or two. Sometimes it took much longer and the pullbacks were much stronger as well. So this is undoubtedly a long-term uptrend. This is a log scale. So it just shows the, the move is over normalized on a percent basis. And so I would say that, again, we're all going to be focused on the short term here. And, mm -hmm. you know, the, the financial media is going to be talking about it a lot. And so I would think we have just to take a step back a little bit and realize that even if Apple pulls back and undercuts the most recent breakout point that its series of long-term higher lows are still intact here. So I just, that's why I think it's a good perspective to have, especially around earnings season where things are clearly volatile. Mm -hmm. And what's this last one showing? This is a chart. Uh, this is the relative chart of Apple versus the S&P 500. That's right. That's now this is a weekly chart and just another indication of the times that, you know, even though it seems that Apple you know, when it goes up, it's always outperforming the S&P. It does take breaks on, on a relative basis as well. And we can see that just the quick glimpse shows that sometimes this lasts for months or even years, right? And if you take an even bigger view, you see that top uh, in the middle of, of 2020 there, you know, really didn't make any headway versus the S&P really until recently, right? Now, especially after the pullback from, you know, from the end or into the end of 2022, basically did nothing versus the S&P. And people were starting to question if it really mattered as much, right, at that point. Just right. funny to hear that now if it was happening. But <laughs> I just, again, like this does happen and sometimes for years. So if someone who's late to the game and just got in wonders why I am losing money in Apple or versus the market, it happened, happened before and it will happen again. Okay, um, great. So let's go on to the next stock that uh, is going to have uh, be reporting earnings. I think that's Amazon um, is also a, a biggie. Um, it, it's, uh, you know, um, it's up 25% during the past three months. So another one of these big seven that's doing well. Um, what do you see when you're looking at that one? 
Yeah, now Amazon, of course, we don't have a chart for that one here yet. But um, don't forget, this this is really was underperforming the market for a long time, even before it started to fall apart. So it had a lot of, of ground to make up, and now it has. So one thing that stands out for me right now is that after this recent rally, it's now retraced 50% of the decline. And that is lining up with um, one of the highs it had from um, September, October of 2022. So, you know, in terms of that, like that's, we typically look at Fibonacci retracements. You know, that's not mm -hmm. a classical Fibonacci number, but it, when it lines up with other things like that, 50% means something, right? And so, you know, that's one thing. So I think it could possibly pause around there. Um, it's been recently holding above its 50 day moving average and that's good that's good and, and again like what it has, has been doing um i wouldn't say better than apple only because apple's been just now on a very extensive uptrend is that it, it's it's showing over the course of this year that it can pull back somewhat aggressively sometimes and still get a bid right mm -hmm. so i think that's an important thing to realize around earnings season as well that it's been able to you know still attract buyers even after you know a relatively substantial downturn a few times this year. So, so it sounds like almost with both these stocks that uh, if we do get dips off of earnings, um, whether it's uh, th that's off of numbers that might appear pretty decent, that uh, you're thinking those dips might be worth buying. Yes, but I would. I would also stress, uh, Ben, that I would like to see that uh, you know another bullish pattern develop after that mm -hmm. dip, right? Just okay. to kind of get a sense of it's, if it's viable or not. Because one of the big things too. Um, Again, just talking about with some of these stocks that gap up or down, it's very important to see in the initial days, like if those gaps are respected or not. I mean that, you know, say Amazon is, a, for instance, gaps lower um, and then instantly go, tries to fill that gap. That's a good sign. But on occasion, you'll see the opposite occur, where if it's typically not tested relatively quickly, and that could mean that it's going to stand underneath that gap for a little bit. Got it. Well, let's move on to uh, AMD, Advanced Micro Devices. Um, it's expected to report a profit of 57 cents and sales of 5.3 billion. Uh, it's gained 26% during the past three months. These gains are absolutely amazing. Um, and even on Friday, when Intel's earnings, uh, some people said that they should have been bad news uh, for AMD, uh, just to Intel getting some market share in PCs, and there's some talk of weakness in the, in the market for CPUs, uh, chips for CPUs. Um, the stock went up 1.7%. Um, where do you see the stock going from here? Well, I think AMD is an interesting spot. It's still above that big breakout zone, right, from, say, 105 to 108 area there. That's the most important spot to hold. So, you know, if it does have a downside shock, I would like to see it hold there. I would think it would be viable around that point as well. It's pretty clear. I will say it's interesting that, you know, after it gapped up from the previous earnings report that it stayed above that level and then obviously retraced into that gap. And it's been mm -hmm. staying there now for the for the last I don't know, four or five weeks. And that has forced it to underperform uh, the SMH semiconductor ETF, which you see in the bottom there. Still still relatively strong versus the trend for this year, but clearly underperforming recently. And so what this tells me that investors are probably being patient here and waiting for the report to come out to see because it really has done nothing on a net basis. It's in the middle of June, which you really haven't seen for too many stocks, especially in that space. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Um, interesting. Let's go on to, let's move away from uh, tech and go to Caterpillar. This is a, another chart that shows the, uh, the daily moves uh, with the RSI on there and the uh, relative move as well. Uh, Caterpillar, um, it's not tech but it's up 19% during the past three months. So it's really been one of these industrials you talked about that has uh, been participating in the rally. Um, and it seems like that what, what I find so interesting about uh, that, that rally is just that manufacturing in the U.S. is still kind of sluggish. We have these issues in China that's just not growing the way that people thought. Um, and yet uh, it's supposed to report a profit of 457 on sales of 16.5 billion. And both of those would be up from a year ago. What does the stock like to, uh, look like to you here? Yeah, well, I think that investors probably are, are thinking about that and, you know, put their money where their mouth is in the past few months. But, but again, I think this is a perfect example, Ben, of, you know, Caterpillar just catching the bid of the rotation from yeah. industrials. You know, we're not talking about airlines today, but that's been a big one as well. Who thought that, for instance, Delta was going to be up 14 straight days right. at RSI in the 80s right, for that long? But that's what it is. You have to respect it for what it is. And, and right now, I think... Um, it had the big move. It was able to consolidate there for a few weeks. And now probably not surprising to see it just pausing near the, the highs, right? Up almost 30% in a very short period of time. Um, it's done its job. Again, not the best setup because of that. You know, Caterpillar doesn't typically move that fast, but we did see it do the same thing in October to, um, you know, the beginning of this year. So again, I, I think in a stock like this, um, people get a little crazy when they see big moves like this. So I think it's it's also good for, for this need to look at that from a long-term perspective as well. I think we have that chart there too. Yeah. And, and when you're looking at um, a stock, yeah, here's the, uh, here's a long-term uh, chart of it with uh, some of the similar kind of levels that you were showing with uh, Apple before. Um, when you're seeing, I'm going to go back to the previous chart, um, and, and you see a stock, you know, here the RSI has been the, uh, the relative strength index, which is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's a measure of how uh, strong the stock is relative uh, uh, over a very, over like a two-week period. Is that, is that about right? Yep. And when it gets up to these these high levels, close to 70, 80, um, do, do you worry about that at all heading into an earnings report um, that that number is so high? Well, I would say this, uh, two things. Uh, number one, when you have a stock that's rallying, uh, the best thing you can do from RSI perspective is see that that indicator oscillate between the midpoint around 50 and overbought, right? So mm -hmm. what it's doing right now, uh, no surprises. And I would say that there are dozens of others out there that look exactly the same from the indicator perspective, which is why things have been so strong recently. Um, second thing is, yeah, I would say that when you have a stock that's overbought into earnings, that's one I wouldn't call the best setup. At the same time, I'm, I would never <laughs> say to look at technicals that closely and, and try to determine what the stock's going to do based on it. Right. What I think technicals are good for earnings, uh, for earnings and just getting it an understanding of where the risk is afterward, right? And so if we see this gap above the mo most recent high, that's probably going to cause some short covering, right, initially. Mm -hmm. And it probably accentuate that move. And probably and seeing where that 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 the kind of fades after, right after would be important. Likewise, you know, if I would say the, the initial stopping point is that last high near 250, right? If a if a stock, you know, if it gaps down to that and holds, that's a good sign as well. That's a, that's how I would look at it. Okay. Great. Um, well, let's go on to Starbucks. Um, 
it has, um, let's see, um, it's supposed to report earnings of 95 cents a share on sales of 9.3 billion. Its stock has been uh, down uh, pretty pretty solidly. It's down 11% during the past three months. Um, are there any signs of hope in this chart? Yeah, this chart is really choppy. And, you know, just by looking at it from a big picture point of view, then if you just look more closely at the price action, it's just all I see are gaps and failed moves to both sides, which makes it really difficult um, from an analysis standpoint, even more difficult to trade, which means mm -hmm. that, you know, if you're looking for a breakout point or breakdown, you probably got whipsawed on both sides of this. And so, but, you know, aside from that, it's very clear where it needs to hold. Right, right in the mid 90s. It's mm -hmm. tested a number of times. You could call that a, uh, a bearish head and shoulders pattern around the top, whatever it is. I just tried to make it as, as simple as possible to show what was going on, where you had a series of, you know, the, the stock moving higher than lower. Now we're looking at potential lower highs on top of key moving averages. So, again, another one that's at a very interesting spot in terms of short term support there with. I can see this gapping to either side based on the recent history. But I would think the biggest thing is that, you know, it's underperformed the XLY consumer discretionary ETF. Not surprising, of course, because that's really been driven by Tesla and Amazon, which have obviously done well, very right. well there. So simply moving sideways has caused it to underperform. And that's another thing to consider about the market in general is that, you know, there's so many names out there that I try to look at that haven't broken out yet. But you can't be overly, you can't be too aggressive the ones that haven't broken out yet until they do, because that means there's a big opportunity cost that you missed, you know, and that's what this is like to me. Yeah. And, and it's one where I, what I've always been kind of interested in and found interesting about Starbucks is that so much of its trading seems to be driven by China. And when China, when the FXI is not doing well or, or MCHI, one of these ETFs that track China, uh, Starbucks often has uh, um, a tough time. And uh uh, right now, that's that's the case. Just China, you know, everybody thought it was going to be a turnaround uh, this year, and it's uh, had a very sluggish uh, uh, recovery. Let's do one more earnings stock. Um, it's one that was, uh, you know, it, it, this is Pfizer. I'll uh, get the, the chart up there. It's going to show the same thing. Um, the daily chart with the RSI in the middle and the relative at the bottom. Um, this was one that uh, Barron's Andrew Barry uh, picked. You know, he looked at it and said, this thing's cheap. And it is. It's uh, 10.6 times earnings. Uh, it has a lot of cash from COVID. Um, but uh, it's uh, actually not doing great. Um, it's going to report profits. They're expected to report profits of 57 cents. That'd be less than a third of its profits from a year ago and sales are supposed to be 13.4 billion that's half of what it reported during the same uh, quarter in 2022 all this is because of covid uh people are not getting vaccinated in the same numbers that they were um and uh it, it's been a real problem uh for the stock that you know we still like it we do think that it's uh, uh it, it's a good long-term play though it, it's down 18 percent. and i have a feeling you're going to tell me that this chart just looks terrible you're trying to convince yourself, Ben? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, listen, it looks a lot different than everything else, right? Yeah. And in this environment, you just can't hang around with downtrending stocks too long. Um, mm -hmm. you know, and at some point, this is going to turn, you would think, right? Like for all the reasons that you mentioned. But again, you know, I would like to look at a potential reversal in, in different stages. Number one, stop going down, of course. That's either holding support or just 
making a new low and rallying. And then at that point, you need to follow through, move to the upside, which then you need a higher low, higher low then can develop into a bullish formation. That bullish formation needs to see a breakout, breakout target hit, and then new higher low, right? So a lot of that has to happen, um, for, at least from my eyes, to say that a trend has changed. You've seen now, you know, if we put percent moves on what it's done over the last few times it's rallied, it's one thing, right? Those are strong moves, but all of them have failed. All of them are making lower highs. So I think, again, it needs to go through a number of stages before we can sense that this is a bottoming process. Okay. And so I'm guessing that even if we saw a uh, the stock rally on a pretty solid print, you want to you want to keep watching it to make sure that 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 move would uh, would actually start to act better than these previous uh, bounces that we've had in the stock. Yeah. I mean, I think there's there's a time to say you want to try to pick the bottom uh, on this, but I think there's there's a a time to to buy it. Like as I was going to one, for instance, like the carry regional bank ETF, right? It was trading say around 45 or so back in April. No one wanted to touch it. I didn't want to because it was looking, it looked like it was about to go lower. Well, it broke out from that point like three months later because it formed a base that was mm-hmm. tested and tested again and finally ended up rallying. And that's the type of thing where you may look at this again in two months and it could it would be at 40, but it's gone through a series of higher lows and formed a base. And that'll be, uh, in my eyes, a much better risk reward than this. Got it. All right. Um, well, we are quickly running out of time. Um, I'm going to uh, let's let's take some uh, of the listener questions. Um, here's a question from from Gabriel. It's one that we didn't plan ahead for, but uh, he he's wondering um, if you could analyze uh, Nvidia's chart. Uh, what do you see there? Nvidia, yes. Well, this is another indication of one that reported obviously blowout earnings, and the gap was never tested. And so, you know, I've, t- I've shown this one a few times in, in um, the pieces at Cap Thesis as well. And if you look back to what it's been doing <clears throat> since the beginning of this year, it's breaking out, consolidating, breaking out, consolidating, and again and again. And it's doing the same thing now. And so, you know, is this due for a pullback? Obviously, people will say yes. And it's pulled back every so often, right, even since the print. But what has it been doing? It's been making higher lows, consolidating and breaking out. So I think regardless of what the story is and how someone feels about it, that type of action needs to be respected until it stops, right? And so, you know, I don't, I can't speak to what Gabriel's time frame is or anything like that. But I know if I were, you know, to try to play it for a trade, you just put like a stop basically underneath the most recent low, you know, right? <clears throat> Can't see with that very, you know, I say 440, 430 around there. And that could just, you know, prevent from losses going out. Now, could, could a bigger turn happen at some point? Yes, but that's why I'm looking at it in terms of trying to determine whether the trend is going to change or not. Okay. Um, sounds good. So uh, let's talk, if you can, um, about uh, we had a question about copper um, and with EVs uh, becoming uh, so popular now. Um, what does that mean for um, copper itself and for a stock like Southern Copper? Well, I would say copper itself, looking at the continuous contract, I'm, I'm looking at stockcharts.com uh, mm-hmm. right now, as a for instance, and that chart looks pretty good to me. To me, it looks like it's trying to form a, a cup and handle-like pattern that's been in place since May up until now, where you know, it's still in a downtrend, but again, it looks different than 
as it was going, you know, obviously as it was falling apart into June, where it's tried to rally, had a higher low, have another higher low, and now getting close to potentially breaking out again. Now, I would say that Southern Copper, and I'm looking at symbol SCCO just to make sure we're on the same page, yeah. um, has kind of front run what the, the you know, the, the, the commodity has done. Now it's very overbought. And I'm looking at this uh, from RSI perspective. And this is the, it's like the sixth time it's been overbought uh, from this angle from beginning of 2022. And of the five prior times, the stock had some short-term weakness relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. So I would, I would say be hesitant of that just because of the, the move has been parabolic over the last three weeks. Um, the good news is that since this has occurred since November of last year, that only led to temporary downturns with the market then stabilizing and going higher from there. Okay, uh, sounds good. Um, and let's uh, go to insurance. This is a question from Vincent, who says, you are the man, Frank. Um, he wants to know about insurance stocks. Uh, uh, what do you think, uh, that if there's an ETF that looks good now? Um, he also wants to know about AIG and how it looks uh, from a trading perspective. Well, I think AIG first. I mean, this has really been, again, I want to compare it to Apple, but it has the same type of trend since April, at least where it's, it's been rallying and trying to, even just looking at 20-day moving average, right, which is very short term, which has been just riding that. And I think it, you can buy the dip in this until as long as that uptrend continues. But again, I would like to see consolidate more at this point and form some sort of, you know, continuation pattern, right, consolidation. Again, yep. I, this is just my way of looking at it. Well, I think you get a better risk reward from that. And looking at the KIE ETF, which is the insurance ETF, we profiled this recently just as one that was breaking out in June and it already hit its target. So same type of thing where, you know, it had a nice base form from April through June, broke out, did what it had to do, did not violate its breakout zone, hit the target, and now getting close to, you know, areas from where it came from before the regional bank crisis took it down. So relatively close to its all-time highs, hit a target, overbought. I think time to pause, regroup, and hopefully try it again. Um, okay. And sticking with financials, uh, what about big bank stocks? Uh, how, how do they look? You know, I, I look at the um, KBWB ETF for a look at that. And, you know, overbought, yes, but has so much more space above it. Um, mm-hmm. Now it's including carry. So, you know, from my angle, it still has it still has so while it still has some extra space above it. Again, consolidating above the most recent breakout point would be good. I see you know that is trading at about forty five ish right now. Um, the two hundred day moving average is probably on everyone's radar screen now, which is at forty eight. So again, it, it's built up enough of a cushion to hopefully consolidate again, and then you know build an explosion pattern. Okay. Um... So let me ask you about um, a couple questions that, uh, uh, well, let's see if you can shed some light on this. Uh, Linda was wondering, you know, she said so many active traders got wrong-footed on this equity rally. Did the same thing happen to algos, the, the trading uh, algorithms out there getting it wrong? Um, or uh, do, do they typically handle these kind of things better? It's a great question. I think that there are many different um, trading strategies out there that look at, uh, I can't even imagine how many different inputs, Mm -hmm. right? But I would say that one thing that really changed this year 
is that trend following strategies actually started to work again. Okay. And those were really hurt last year. Like, is it, for instance, um, the other thing that any mean reverting move type strategies were, were great last year, right? So I think what, I don't know if this answers the question, but I think, you know, algorithms just do what they're supposed to do. As long as you don't, you know, change the mathematics behind it, if mm -hmm. they're, you have to recognize the market that we're in and utilize those. And that's the most important thing. And again, that goes back to whether you look at bullish patterns like I do or something else. Whereas, as a, for instance, right, um, the S&P 500 last year, where all those all those bear market rallies faded near a downtrend line from the beginning of the year and near a downward sloping two more day moving average. So any of the algorithms that were looking to buy the S&P, you know, if it went above that, didn't mm -hmm. get triggered, right? Mm -hmm. Where other ones were probably trained to say, as long as it flips after like a big move like that, get short, that worked out, you know? And the flip, you know, that thing, that relationship obviously shifted completely this year. Got it. Okay. And then uh, these two, I think, go together. Um, one's from M. Kirch. What additional indicators would you recommend in addition to anchored VWAP for an individual trader? Well, Michael asks, what's your favorite buy signal when looking at a potential monthly or weekly trade? I think with all the indicators, I like to use them in conjunction with other with price action as well. Um, I like to use Fibonacci a lot. We talked about that. And I, you know, when that lines up with uh, a moving average or a former you know, support resistance zone. Those are very important. You know, the, I wouldn't, I like to use the RSI um, a good amount. You know, the reason why is because it takes a good amount more movement to get that going mm -hmm. um, bit as opposed to some other ones that are much more fickle and just get overbought oversold all the time. But again, I would always stress that it's not really a, a signal um, so forth that to use it's, 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 does it confirm or you know diverge from what the price action is telling you and at the very end of the day i'm very easily cannot use any moving average indicators and and be fine with it because one of the reasons why i remember specifically in um 2017 actually ben when the market was up right a good amount we didn't have a pullback greater than three percent from a high all year and so over that time many indicators were overbought and so on a regular basis that would tell people to get out that's why I really started to look at patterns and, and be like, oh, I'm not going to get bearish on this until I see one of these consolidation patterns turn into a bearish formation and have a downside target hit. So that alone kept us in the market up until, you know, the end, up until, you know, the implosion in 2018. Again, not every market is like that, right. but it's probably a good thing to, to, to look at now in this type of environment because 2023 so far is shaping up like 2021. 19, 17, 13, all those low volatility advances that really didn't have that much variation. Got it. All right. So last questions. Um, there are two last stocks. Uh, Kenneth is wondering about energy transfer. Um, I think that is, uh, gosh, um, is EPD. Let me double check that. Um, oh, no, it's enterprise products, which is an energy transfer. Um, no, that's ET. Um, and uh, then we have um, Sheldon wondering about Albemarle, ALB. Uh, do you have any thoughts on either of those? Yeah, ET, I like a lot. It looks good. Um, it's just breaking out now from a consolidation pattern. As you can probably tell by now, I kind of like that, <laughs> that look. Yeah. And so, you know, 
you know, have all the numbers in front of me, but you could just make the case that this is this could test the highs relatively soon um, on a daily chart. And I would say the good thing is that on a weekly chart, it's been showing the ability to do that over the years, right? It's just been trending higher. You look at this, it appears that it's really averted a lot of the pain in the market in general, right? Um, and so I think this is good from a, you know, I would think an absolute basis, relative basis, especially in terms of energy, just because it's just coming back now. So this actually is an interesting one to look at because you don't find too many related to energy that are actually near the highs already, right? Some of them are just coming back, have had a good run in the past few weeks, but I think this will be an interesting one. It looks, uh, it looks pretty good to me. Okay. The other was uh, ALB, Albemarle, which uh, they're a lithium maker. Um, so would they often trade uh, with EVs and how well the EVs are doing? Yeah, it does look familiar. It looks, you know, somewhat like the, uh, the some of the solar ETFs. I would say this one has a little bit more work to do. Um, it could be in the beginning stages again. It, it's obviously up from May, but when you see the the big pullbacks after big rallies like that, it still looks a little volatile. I would just say you have to. I would like to see it hold around here because it will make the uptrend with a higher low potential that's been showing from May a little bit more viable. Um, so in terms of, you know, stop loss, probably underneath the June low, if there's a live trade in there right now, otherwise, I would look forward again to, to hold around here and hopefully continue the uptrend. And, you know, if it can, they can maybe get back up to 200 day moving average, which is around say 236 right now. All right. Uh, well, great. Well, that is all the time we have today. I think we're cutting it to the wire. So thank you all for listening. Frank, thank you for being here. Join Barron's Live tomorrow when Barron's Associate Editor for Technology, Eric Savitz, and Ben Reitz as Managing Director and Head of Technology Research of Melius Research, discuss the outlook for tech earnings, AI, and tech stocks. So thank you for listening. Stay well. and Have a nice day.